Hey everyone, this is Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for women's storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. For creatives, by creatives, location locked. Wish you could find production staff that's professional and easy to work with. Do you lose a lot of time trying to find the perfect location? Then you'll love Location Lock, a peer-to-peer marketplace that offers filmmakers and content creators like yourself the opportunity to book locations and services needed for your next big project or event. Location Lock can also help spread the word about your next open photography session or casting call. It's a win-win. Visit LocationLock.com today and get started. And today I have the privilege of sitting and chatting with Janine and I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, So I wanted to ask you just starting off, when you were growing up, what shows did you watch and how did that impact you as a future storyteller oh my gosh um I guess I watched what everyone watched I watched um hmm let me think I watched you know the Cosby show I watched a different world I watched other stuff like Gilligan's Island I watched Love Boat everything um I I think television and seeing films but specifically television because you could see it every day in your house Mm -hmm. um just made me feel like what was in my imagination was coming to life and that clearly there were people out there that were doing things that they were imagining stuff and they were putting it on the screen whether that was on the small screen or on the big screen um and so i think i've always kind of leaned toward wanting to tell stories and I and and I think even kind of making up stories at the dinner table and and being kind of a you know like a gesture at Thanksgiving (laughs) just telling stories made me think oh this might be good for me I should I should do this for a living and that's interesting that you said that as far as like at the dinner table because I think that's the moment that I realized like wait you might be really good at exaggerating a little bit too much (laughs) so that's (laughs) That's what kind of gave funny you <laughs> gave you the idea. Yeah. It did. Yeah. I had, you know, on that, when I went to Howard, I was in the, I think it was in the history department and I wrote a paper. It was in a Russian, I think, history class. And I wrote a paper and the teacher read part of it. And I thought she was reading it to commend me. Cause I was like, listen, look, I'm clearly I'm clearly talented. She's reading my paper. And then she literally busted out laughing saying she has like described the war and what the clouds look like in the sky. You don't need to be in she was like, you don't need to be in history. You need to go over to English, read books, and then go to the film department. And I was like, I'm already in the film department. She's like, Good. You don't need to be in history. History is factual. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. You are, I know that you also were a part of the Warner Brothers um, workshop. So I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you, what would people be surprised to know about your journey as a storyteller? Because I know, especially since it's social media and people are really big on instant gratification and they see where you are now today, what wouldn't people know about your journey to get to today? 
Oh my gosh. Um, it's taken me a long time. You know, I, um, I have probably written over 50 episodes of 50 hours, more than that, 50 hours of television. And um, I'm still, you know, trying to get my own show on the air. And um, I would say that for the people that know me intimately and know me in my personal life, know that there's been so many sacrifices made. Like I don't go out all the time. I don't go, you know, to everyone's party. I don't go to everyone's get together because just to get to this point has taken working till 1am. It's taken working all weekends. Um, and it's not been easy. And it's so funny because like with Instagram and Twitter, it looks, you know, you can kind of curate your life to make it look like it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but most writers I know, you know, if you call them on a Saturday, they're up at six, they're in sweatpants, they're at the computer, you know, they're at two, they're eating again and they're like at the computer again and at night, you know, and, and the notion of, you know, going out all the time. I think you have to go out to live and I think living helps you become a better storyteller. But I think getting in the game is one thing that's very hard. Staying in the game is another thing. And then elevating within the game, especially as a woman and as a person of color, it's difficult. It's it's very difficult. And um, it it takes hours and commitment. So where do you see as, and that's funny that you said that because I'm a part of, we have like a screenwriters group and we like read each other's work. And we were talking about that, you know, just a sacrifice, but where do you see as a screenwriter that we're dropping the ball? Like that we're not doing what we need to do per se to be better. I think a lot of people, I mean, that I see, right you can actually tell the people coming up that really want it because it's just in their eyes. There's somebody that I work with now. It's, you can't walk by her without feeling the energy that she (laughs) wants it. And you feel it, you know what I mean? And, and you see this person churning out work after work, after work, after work. Um, I think you've got to write and, and, and writers write. And if you think that, there's something else you don't, you would rather be doing than do it Mm -hmm. because you can't compete against the people that have made it a commitment by kind of doing it like you're knitting a scarf. You know, you can't do it like just on a cold day. (laughs) You have to actually do it. And then I see a lot of people that say, oh, it's subjective. You know, they didn't like my script. It's subjective. Mm -hmm. There is some subjectivity to it, but it is mathematical, it's structural, and there is an innate thing that happens with good storytelling that separates, you know, good work from great work. So it's not just you sitting at your computer and spitting out something. It has to structurally work in a way that um, conjures a feeling from the person watching it or reading it. And that is not only subjective that is something that takes hours and and draft after draft it doesn't take five drafts it's it takes 20 drafts yes it does (laughs) it's awful I mean it literally (laughs) it's it's awful but it's like if you if you listen I I know people who want to hear it's great Mm -hmm. and you and and when you meet those people you're like 
okay, I have some criticism, I have some ideas, I have some things that can help make this better. And then when you hear the person getting defensive about it, you can try again. You can say, look, I still have these issues with the second act. I'm still having a problem with this character's arc. And then if the person pushes back again, mm-hmm. it's just easier to tell someone it's great. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. it's literally easier to say, you know, at this point, like I, like I had to just do this. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling that we're, we're on, it's, it's great. Right. <laughs> if we're at if we're at it's great and we just all want to blow smoke up each other's butts, then it's great. Right. <laughs> but, and then you let someone else do the dirty work because there are writers and there's creators that are collaborative and there's writers and creatives that just want to move the deck furniture around on the deck of the cruise ship. And you're like, you actually need to throw out some of the furniture <laughs> and <Yeah>. start again <laughs> and build some, <laughs> build some new furniture. And I get ripped to shreds all the time. So I'm used to it. And I actually embrace people in my life that can give me criticism. I hold those people tight. I know those readers. I, and I respect those people who will like call, tell it like it is to me because the only way your work gets better is if you're rigorous with it. Right. So then I know that you um, wrote for the comedy, the Jamie Foxx show. How mm-hmm. did that prepare you, if any, to be a showrunner for Claw? It's funny, you know, I was on Jamie Foxx and then after Jamie Foxx, I went to, I did a little bit of time at the PJs. And then after that, I went to, um, I got mentored by John Wells and mm-hmm. I was on third watch for five years. I was on ER for the final four or five years. Uh, I think it was four years. So when I, when I was on those dramas, I added humor in it because that's like my innate voice to be mm-hmm. dramatic, but also to be humorous. And even bizarrely, when I went to Criminal Minds, I would add humor in my episodes. I could I could make you cry because this girl got killed or something, but I also knew how to make you laugh. And so that became kind of part of my brand. So when I went over to Warner Brothers and signed an overall there, when they started sending me stuff to see what I wanted to run, Claws was sort of in a great combination of what my journey had been. I knew how to write drama and I knew how to write crime drama. And if you look at a show like ER, ER is a medical show, but it's a family show. The doctors are the family. So if you look at, e, if you look at Claws, you know, Claws is a crime show, but the family drama of it are these ladies. So I took all my experience and kind of um, applied it to that. So the Jamie Foxx of it is really the humor of like knowing how, you know, you, you get a talent like Niecy Nash, who is, who is a genius comedian. Mm-hmm. Like she's just brilliant, but she's also like, if you see her in Getting On and Selma, she's about to do When They See Us with Ava. And she's also a dramatic, great dramatic actress. That combo, I, I was able to help kind of, you know, show run this show because I knew how to do the drama and the humor. And a lot of the actors on Claws have that same sort of background. Carrie Preston, you know, you look at her work from The Good Wife and True Blood. She's the same way. She does drama. She does humor. You look at Dean Norris, 
same thing. He um, came from Breaking Bad and he can kill you, but he can also make you laugh. That's what makes him such a (laughs) complicated character. And all the other actors, I mean, Judy Reyes, who was from Scrubs, Harold Perrineau. I mean, there are Jen, Jen Lyons, Karuchi Tran, all of them have this arsenal where they're able to tap into their dramatic sense and they're also able to tap tap into their comedic sense. So then how did you know or how did you find your voice as a writer? Because that's a lot of things like that people ask in our like screenwriters group. Like how did you know that you were good at being able to do the comedic aspect as well as like drama? Practice? <laughs> I I think it's practice. I also think it's like um I remember one of my one of my best friends that who's a writer is Charles Murray and I remember when I wrote my first ER episode he said to me like we were watching it together on the phone you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it had John Leguizamo was a new doctor who had just joined yes. um ER and he was he walked down the, it was like a one and he walked down the hall and he was spouting the medicine, but he was also making jokes. He was coming on to people. He was like being <laughs> funny. He was like doing all these things. And I remember Charles saying, oh my gosh, your voice is like, your voice is just popping. Like I can feel it. And I knew like, oh, this was going to be a runway where I was going to be able to play. And so I think when you're truly writing from a place where you're not being suppressed and your Mm. voice is not being suppressed, you'll know it because every ounce of you goes into it and it's, and and it is, um, it feels true. So Elliot Lawrence, he is a brilliant writer. He, I, I call him like a modern day Tennessee Williams. He created Claws. And when I read it, I, it popped off the page. I literally, you know, sometimes you see people in the world that you're like, that's like my brother. Like that's, that's, yes. that's how I write. Yes. That's what I want to do. <laughs> oh my God, they're doing me. <laughs> like, like there are times in your life and I've met people that way, like where you're like, oh, I want to make a movie like that person. That's, that's the movie I would make. Right. And so I read it and I thought, wow, I want, to help with this show. And when I sat with him, he had such a strong creative sense and a creative voice that it hadn't been tampered or ha- or hampered by the business yet because he was coming from indie features and he just was really writing from his gut. He wasn't writing thinking like, what is Jenny writing or what is you know, you know, Joe writing? He was writing from his gut. And so I think on this show, I was able to do that because I saw there was a great pilot script Mm -hmm. that did it. And then we hired writers that innately had that same, I don't want to say had his voice because his voice is his voice, but had, if you were tuning a piano, we could all tune the piano at the same tune. You know what I mean? And so the voice would be cherished and it would be elevated and it would be special. And that's why when people see Claws, they're like, wow, that's unique. That's different. And it's because everybody's kind of bringing that sauce to it. I totally agree. And you just said a really good line. And then after that, I've lost it. <laughs> I was like, oh, you said everybody <laughs> a different sauce. Their own sauce yeah, to it. Yeah. Yes. 
that's a very good visual. Like I can see that. And yeah. And it, it's funny, like you can go here in someone's office and you could say, hey, like read this. You can say, read my scene and someone can read it and they can they can hear your passion in it. Mm -hmm. But they also know how to sprinkle some of their sauce on it. They're like, but you should say blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah with it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. There's like an excitement to it. Yeah. And sometimes when you're on shows where it's not exciting, it's like, here we are again <laughs> at work. <laughs> but Claus isn't that, it's not that at all. So for people who don't know, because I do have a wide variety of women that listen, you are the showrunner for Claus. So tell us like what your responsibility is. And then we're going to pivot to French fries. So my, my responsibility is sort of, I, I'm like sort of just the head boss writer. I am in charge of not only the creative writing alongside of Elliot, that is like making sure all the scripts are tight, making sure they, we do drafts and drafts of scripts here. Um, we have a staff about of nine people. So I'm in charge of hiring. I'm also in charge of post and also in charge of helping with casting and um, with production. So I have like lieutenants underneath all of that, that, that like I have a line producer, he's in charge of the day-to-day production of it. I have a, you know, a producing director. He's in charge of the day-to-day visual of it. You know, I have a post-production producer and they're in charge of making sure the production all comes together. The sound is mixed. The editorial is mixed. But you're basically, you know, the captain of the team. Um, and I c consider the network and the studio head sort of the general manager, like kind of whispering uh -huh. you, whispering in your ear, the plays you have to make <laughs> in yeah. order to win. So I am, you know, accountable to a studio, which is Warner Brothers, and to TNT, which is the network and slash studio on the project. But it's, you know, it's an all-consuming. I'm up sometimes at five or four thirty a.m. and you are going to bed late dealing with that, and you're dealing with rewrites and criticisms and notes and and throwing out stuff and reshooting stuff. It's sort of the whole, um, the whole shebang. And I'm glad that you um, mentioned that too, because I do see that even like when I originally went to film school, I remember the very first time that I did like, they were reading my scripts and like everybody was just like, what about this and this and this and this? And I just remember feeling like so deflated <laughs> in that moment. But then right. um, my mentor was like, listen, if they didn't like what you wrote, they would have said nothing. They would have been like, oh, okay, it's fine. And you would have had no feedback. But he was like, look at their invested and they're trying to like make it better. And like you said, add their sauce. So I'm glad that you even mentioned that like you have to be open to feedback because how are you ever going to grow? Yeah, because it, I, I mean it, it's like asking someone, reading a script is sort of like asking someone, will you help me move on a Saturday? Mm. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to do it. So to get, I don't want to do it. So to get someone to like sit down and read, literally read, and then to get them to think about it, then to get them to actually take a pen and write on it and come up with ideas and let their mind think about it. It's very, it's a very giving thing and you're giving your time, your brain power, your creative power. But if you get pushback and you feel like the people are not susceptible, you'll just be like, it's great. 
Mm. Awesome. Okay, next. Can we have a coffee run? (laughs) 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 You literally just won't. And but if you feel that the person is receptive and wants to like knock it out of the park as bad as you do, it's like jazz. You will make something together and you will, they're, the person's more open to the criticism. But a lot of people, and I know people that are making a ton of money that are very successful, they just want to hear you're smart and pretty. And you're like, okay, you're smart and pretty. Bye. <laughs> like it's, so you do have to, as a creative make a decision whether you're going to take feedback. And some people's feedback, you will realize they're making it into something that it's not. But some people you know are literally, there are people out there that can help you make your stuff better. Yeah. And thank you to those people. Thank you to my tribe. I love (laughs) y'all. Yes. Yes. Your tribe. Love them. Love them dearly. Hold them tight. Yes. So I want you to tell us about French fries. I was really excited about this, by the way. (laughs) Oh, very cool. I did, you know, through my relationships at TNT, Sarah Aubrey, who's the head of TNT, turned me on to the women at Refinery and Shatterbox. And I got into that program where they took, I think, 10 filmmakers who had never directed, a few had directed, and we did, everyone wrote a short and directed a short. Some people did not write it. They might have gotten a writer with them, mm-hmm. but I wrote mine and directed it. It was my first time directing. And it, you know, it is about, a, it's about a couple and a slice of life, a couple that is at like they're, they've been married for seven um, years and like six months and something. And they are struggling, you know, with gender roles and with, do you work for the money or do you go after your dreams? And at what point do you support each other in doing that? It, it was a great experience because I got to write what I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also got to, I got to write what I wanted to write and I got to kind of picture it and then cast it. And I got great collaborators. I got Rebecca Naomi Jones as the lead, who's a big theater actress. And then I got Carl McDowell as the, the other male lead and I got to shoot it and um, we shot in LA about a year ago and it it was one of the greatest experiences I've had and I wish I had done my own thing earlier because I, I do think that writing and producing your own film and like what I'm writing right now is a film and I think writing and producing your own film is a great way to just do it. I think the the mentality of waiting for the business to give you opportunities, I would not subscribe to that. I think wherever you can do things independently, you should, while also maintaining, you know, if you can write on a show and be on a show and you can get on This Is Us or you can get on Claws or something, you should do that because that's, that's a way to make a living and that's a way to tell stories. That's a way to get your chops up. But I think simultaneous to that amazing job of being in the business, you should continue to develop your own voice. And if you have the resources or you tell people, I would shoot your own thing. I I think that is what you're seeing a whole new generation just doing, you know, and they're just shooting their own stuff. And I think Mm -hmm. the business will respond to that. It truly was one of my greatest experiences. So do you see yourself also continuing to direct your own projects going forward? 
I do. I mean, I, I absolutely want to direct stuff. I have some, I have a bunch of stuff in development, so Mm -hmm. I am trying to get those things off the ground. And if they get off the ground, which knock on wood, I feel like they are very close to happening. I will direct some of them, you know, and everybody involved in them knows that that's what I want and where it's applicable for some of the projects, you know, it would be great to do it. I, I, I do. I think, I think again, it's 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 about kind of like grabbing the baton and just doing it. I can't wait to be you know behind the camera again. So, do you have a different process for getting ready when you're wearing a director's hat versus writing, or is it kind of like the same process creatively? It's sort of the same process. I mean, the thing is, when you're writing, you do know that you're handing it over to a director, mm-hmm. so you are writing it for them, you know, for she or he to sort of make it visual. The thing that it was cool about directing was that you, I had to figure out what I had on the page and what I had in my head, how to get people, a group of people around me to see it. Mm. You know, I did a lookbook for French fries. I, you know, was very specific about my department heads. I had amazing um, Carmen Cabana who shot, just shot Vita. She was coming off Narcos. She shot it. And I, I, I guess I had to work on the muscle of, of articulating what I was writing and what, what I was picturing to make people kind of do it and to, and then to get it out of actors. Um, and, and, I did, you know, and I, and I felt very alive on set because a lot of times when you're on set, when you're just the writer producer, you're kind of like, it's not that you're useless. It's that you're, it's like you're, oh, you don't want to intrude on the director. So you're sort of whispering to the director, telling her what you're like, well, maybe we should try blah, blah, blah. So you're being gentle about your, mm. what's in your head, yeah. but trying not to force your vision on their vision because that's why you hired them. And then everyone else is doing their thing, but your thing had already been done. You know what I mean? And that's the writing. So I felt much more alive on set as a director because I had a, I had a general purpose. Yes. And I I can see that. That totally makes sense. So where do you see yourself going Mm -hmm. in the future as a writer, director, and then any advice you have for people who are kind of just getting started? Look, I, I want to get shows on the air. I want to shoot an indie movie. I, I, so I'm cha- every day working for those goals of getting my own voice out there and, and continuing to push that. Um, and that's what I see in the future. That's what I see tomorrow and the next day. As it relates to other people, I, I would say to them, look, if you want it and you really, really want it, write and write every day. And then I would say, if you don't write every day, then just find another career that makes you happy <laughs> because mm-hmm. writing and directing and producing, it's all consuming. And I think you can find balance in your journey because I think you have to have balance to live, but I think you have to really want this because it's so competitive. It's probably easier to get on the Lakers. <laughs> like that's how, that's how hard it is. Like that's how hard it is to get like to get on a show. It's hard. 
you know, and we don't have a bench of backup players. We have, right. no, we have eight people. We have eight people that all have agents. And when, and when that, they have to succeed, they have to score. And if they don't score, they're getting traded. You know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. sort of what it is. And if you, <laughs> yeah, and, and you're trying desperately to get on a team and then, you know, if sometimes the team's not the right fit and then you get traded to another team some, and you're like, you know, that's the thing, you, but you have to do it because so many people talk about it. They just don't do it. Yes. Yes, they do. I was going to add one thing. People like me who see other people coming up that want it, we want to help you. We want to help lift other people up. Like that's mm-hmm. the truth. We are always looking, sharing information, sending scripts, sending people's links to short of shorts. People in positions that can help want to help. Most of the I don't know a lot of whack people who don't want to help people. I know most of the people I know that are at high levels are trying to help the next generation get in and get up. That's good. So everyone listen, you have to do the work. You got to do the work. Yes. Do the work. This has been great. This is good. Yes. Thank you so much. I was about to say now, everyone, thank you for the, so you, you gave a really good TED talk because that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Every time Nisi Nash calls me with something, she's like, thank you for coming to my TED talk. You gave a a great TED talk today. (laughs) I will. I will totally tell her. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I so appreciate this. Thank you. And everybody, you know my drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live those filmmaking dreams. And until next time.